0: It's another amazing day in the world of cycling. Welcome. This is Karnak the Great or Miss Cleo. Either way, my prediction from yesterday on the Stage 5 winner was spot on. And I'll go over details as to why. What else we got on the show today? Stage 5 race results and details. Uh, we're still grappling with the Chris Froome news. We we'll More details out about that. Chris Froome wins the 2011 Vuelta. We'll talk about that as well. News from the world of cycling, things that make you go, hmm, winners and losers. Stay tuned. All right, everybody, this is Tyler Yonke, Between Two Wheels podcast. I appreciate you joining in. Uh, We're going to get right to some Froome updates uh, in case you didn't know. I did talk to someone this morning, a uh, cycling fan who was oblivious to the uh, oblivious to the world of Froome and what had happened. Um, I think I need to push the podcast on him to make sure he's uh, aware of what's going on. This is how you get your news and info. This is some of the best analysis around. Just pointing that out there. Um, Chris and Kurt will disagree, I'm sure. However, Chris Froome, yesterday, in, and more details are coming out today. So yesterday, we're in the Daphne, the stage five of the Daphne. That's uh, starts stage four, the individual time trial. It's 26.1 kilometers. It's got a rise into it, a, a pitch, a climb about the 11-kilometer point, and then it drives down. Uh, the word is Froome was out reconning this. He went over the top of the climb. I believe that's where it was. Or Either way, he was starting to go down a hill. Uh, Wout Poles was actually behind him. Dan Martin was behind him. They were both following along doing their own recon. Uh, Chris Froome signals to Wout that he's going to clear his nose to probably a <laughs> farmer John. And as he does, so gust of wind comes up, blows him into a wall of a house. They said, so, you know, some tight roads, uh, Houses houses right on the side of the road there. And he goes, they, they indicated Brailsford said that they looked at his uh, GPS data and he was going, you know, 54, 55 kilometers an hour. And it went from that to zero. So high impact into a wall. Uh, not a good way to go. There was they, they, evidently there was an ambulance on the side of the road uh, that they, you know, parked sporadically along the route to have you know, safety precautions and emergency issues. They came over, gave immediate care to Froome. I guess he was in the ambulance for about two hours trying to take care of him on the side of the road. They ended up um, going to R- Roan, the, the the town where the, the time trial was held. And then they airlifted him to uh, Etienne. And that's where he ended up having, I think, an eight-hour surgery and they said there's, he's, still, he's still in intensive care. They're still not necessarily out of the woods. So when, you, when we talked yesterday and I was saying, oh, you know, we'll see if he does the Volta. that's probably not going to happen. We're looking at probably six months for him just to get back on the bike. There's some internal stuff, some ribs, some other fractures. We'll talk about some of those. And maybe we'll just go right to um, one of the news articles on uh, Vela News and some of the info that they had kind <clears> of <throat> recapping to what was just said there. Team Ineos, uh has confirmed Chris Froome suffered fractures to his right femur, right elbow in a crash during the recon, as we we just talked. Boss Dave Belford said it was too early to know how that might affect the rest of his season or career. Uh, first of all, I just want to make a correction real quick. I had mentioned yesterday on the show about uh, wrecks that had happened, and I had mentioned uh, um, I meant to say Contador, but I said Quintana. So Contador had uh, had a wreck in the Tour de France, and broke his leg. Uh, I don't know, remember exactly what it was, but he, he crashed pretty bad and he went on to, um, to race in the tour de France. Uh, that was, I just wanted to make that correction. Cause I had said Quintana, that was incorrect. None of you are pointing that out. So, um, please do so. Please send in your, uh, your comments. We, we like them all good, bad in different corrections are pr- primarily what we like to, uh, to get as well. Um, what does know is that Froome will not be racing for the record tying fifth jersey at the Tour de France. It's obvious. Speaking to journalists at the Dauphinier on Wednesday, Bradford said Froome's forced exit from the Tour is a hard blow for the entire organization. Okay, I'm gonna stay away from kind of how the organization deals with this. That's that's kind of secondary. I'm more interested in in what the impact is on his health and exactly what went down. So obviously this is very hard for Chris. Um, he was at a good level. They said he crashed Wednesday in the final passage over the 26- kilometer time trial course in the Dauphiné. Froome fell heavily and was transported to a regional hospital in a state ministry by the team. The, the team doctor was there as well. Uh, Brailsford described the crash saying that Froome was riding about 60 kilometers an hour on a descent during a recon in the time trial. At the start of the descent, Chris wanted to blow his nose, and at that moment, a sharp gust of wind pushed him against a low wall Against the side of the road, Briefford said. Chris remained conscious after this crash. The doctors did report that there was no um, mental issues, no cranium problems. It was all, you know, physical to legs, arms, uh, elbow, ribs, uh, internal, but nothing as far as uh, no concussion. I guess so. Either the helmet he had worked well, or he just kept that out of the out of danger. Um, Chris remained conscious after the crash. Luckily, there happened to be an ambulance right there. Sometimes we wonder what they're doing on the side of the roads, but we were lucky to have him so fast. Uh, Suffered multiple injuries, fracturing his femur and elbow. It also stated he had fractured ribs. He was initially treated at Duron Hospital, as I had stated, and was expected to be airlifted Santian University Hospital for further with his injuries. Um, He's obviously out for the summer. Probably not. you may see, you know, Chris Froome is, is the fighter. You may see him at the end of the season, will championships or something if he's, I don't even, maybe just to get up and ride and, and do some racing. Um, it'll be interesting to see who takes the place at the tour now. And we'll have that discussion as it comes up later, whether it's going to be Bernal, Thomas, Wout Poles, someone else. But um, not really concerned about that part now. When asked if the injury could put Froome's career in danger, Brailford only replied, it's too early to say. It's obvious he will not be in Brussels, he said, talking about the tour. It takes a long time to heal, and everything can collapse quickly in one fall like this. So uh, there was a, a mention of uh, yesterday, you know, look, Dan Martin said he was behind him. He's still kind of uh, going through, you know, traumatized by what he saw. Um, evidently, he pulled off to the side of the road. Uh, Watt polls said he saw it happen, and he just kept going. Good teammate. Um, <laughs> I'm worried about his... I mean, he might have been traumatized too. I guess there's not much you can do. But um, in a situation like that, you might pull over. Now, Kurt would would bring up an incident that I had where I kept going with someone. Uh, maybe we'll post a video of that. There's a video of of me on someone's wheel and a friend, probably a teammate at the time, <laughs> crashing, showing it, looking back. Um, we kept going. Well, there were people on the side of the road helping him with that case. But either way, uh, you know, it's just an interesting uh, hazard. Uh, one other thing I had mentioned yesterday was Philippe Joubert. I said he was a lesser known. Um, he's just a less likely for GC. So I just wanted to clarify that because obviously Joubert, we we had a discussion this year when he won Paris Bay. Is he one of the best riders ever? So he's not a lesser known. He's just a lesser known for a GC on this type of race. And he's, you know, holding in the top 20, which is what you would probably expect from him, which is actually going fairly well for him. <clears throat> So, anyway, Chris Froome, we hope you recover. We'll talk a little bit later. I said um, some good news for him on the day. He may have won the 2011 Vuelta. We'll discuss that coming up. Okay, stage five, the Daphne. Look, as I said, um, this race, well, I haven't said it yet. Beyond Sur Ligon to Varon, it's 201 kilometers. Yesterday, I made the prediction that this was going to be, if it stayed together, it would be Wout-Vanert that would be the winter winner. Um, I thought so because I thought there were a few climbs that maybe Bennett wouldn't quite be in position. Uh, having watched the finish, uh, and we'll go over that here once I, I talk a little bit about some of the stuff here, uh, it looks like Wout just, I mean, is he making progress? In, and I guess it's a spoiler, Wout wins today. Uh, he's making progress, leaps and bounds. Uh, he decided to do some time trialing. Now he's pretty good at that. Anyway, the start, um, it basically just heads due east uh today. It's heading right for the mountains. You looked if you saw it on TV, it's pretty much open fields, not a lot of climbing in the last 50k or so, uh some twisty churny stuff, but they're heading right to Grenoble and you can see the big mountain ranges snow capped and everything. So obviously we know it's coming up, some 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 climbs. The finish, the start today. Formerly boan is a commune in the Lower Department in central France. Population: thirty-three fifty, three thousand three hundred fifty. I looked up some stats just because why not? And in nineteen sixty-two, they had three thousand four hundred ten residents. It peaked in seventy-five at three thousand seven hundred sixty-six. So it's uh, it's it likes that three thousand range uh, population. Doesn't look like it's grown. Um, Maybe it'd be a fun place to visit. I don't know. They obviously probably just quadrupled the size just by coming through with the Daphne one day. The finish is in Vorion. It's uh, known for a few things. It's got some manufacturing there. The company Ski uh, Rosignal was founded in 1907 by Abel Rossignol. It's That's where it is. Their entire families of Voron, along with Italian immigrants who arrived en masse at the beginning of the century, worked in these factories. Um, on the eve of the First World War, the silk weaving business used nearly 3,000, you know, gonna care about any more of that stuff. Rossignol, good skis. I used them when I was younger. um, So that's evidently where they're from. The route, like I said, due east. And how about the profile? The profile we talked about a little bit from yesterday. We'll just categorize it again here. One, two, three, four category, four climbs with an intermediate sprint in between at about 60k to go. Then it rose up a little bit, dropped down, and, and had some twisty stuff as it started to get into to town for the finish. GC will recap that going into stage four. Uh, Adam Yates in the lead after the time trial yesterday. Dylan Toynes is second place at four second. Mm-hmm. TJ Van Garderen poised to blow up, sitting in third at six seconds back. Uh, Jacob Fugelsang seven seconds. Croyswick at 24, Thibaut Pino at 25, Bachman at 26, 30 is Lutsenko along with Wout Van Ert, Nairo Quintana at 40, Poles, Richie Porte, Dan Martin, uh, Roman Bardet down in 127. So, uh, Gilbert, 20th place, a lesser known for the GC riders. Okay, so how did today's play out? There was a break of three off the front. um was in there. He kept, for CCC, he kept pushing it. There was a vitell Concepts guy, uh, C, uh, I want to say Kofidis rider. They, they didn't hang out. And the, the, the group, look, it was going to come to a sprint, and the teams were making sure that happened. They timed it right. About a K to go. Uh, Edvald Bogenhagen, Bosenhagen uh, does a, a lone attempt. He with a um a Decoigne quick step rider. And as they start coming into the finish, there's some left, right kind of twists and, and bends. And they're getting caught just as the sprinters are starting their 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 ramp up. You had Bora Hansgrohe, you had a teammate. You had Sam Bennett on his wheel. Then you had uh, Julian Alaphilippe. And then you had Wout. And I think maybe Sonny Cabrelli. There was a concepts Concepts guy in there. And it looked pretty good. For Sam Bennett because they come around the last... It's like a left-hand corner or, or it was a right-hand corner and then it kind of bent to the left a little bit. And as they come around that right-hand corner, his teammate peels off and Sam just doesn't... And, and on the right-hand side, Wout takes a dig. Philippe takes a dig. There's a Vitell Concepts guy that's going up there, uh, Lorenzo Manzin. And Sam Bennett just kind of lets this happen. And it, and, it, and then it's the, the mix is not good enough as far as the way the road is. And he gets... Put in a bad position. Wout comes through clearly and being able to post up, bike or two length lead. Um, Sam Bennett finally gets his kick going. He out kicks uh, Philippe to the line. Looks like he may have been the fastest one, but he blew it. He blew it with the sprint. And his team uh, actually did a good job of putting him in position. And I just think he he needed to take control from the front at that point, which we saw him do the other day, and he can do it just fine. So the results here: Wout banner gets first place. Uh Sam Bennett in second, Julian Alaphilippe in third, Lorenzo Manzin in fourth, Clement Venturi, Bolsenhagen in sixth, uh Zenek Stebar, Sonny Cabrelli, Gilbert, Bot Poles, Yates up there in twelfth. So you had you had some pretty good um results for the for the sprinters today. And I'm gonna just kind of take a look here at Okay. So what does their GC look like today? So after the GC hasn't changed, you still have uh, Adam Yates, Dylan Toons, Van Garderen, just as I had mentioned. And what I'm going to take a look at here is um, to see if we have the sprinters' uh, results and who is leading the sprint competition uh, as of today. Wout Van Nert is leading the sprint competition. Bolson Hagen in second, uh, 53 points back. Sam Bennett in third with 47. Lutsenko, 38 so Wout is you know about thirty points ahead of Bolsenhagen. and I don't, I haven't looked to see how he's been doing on the mid intermediate sprints, but um, obviously being able to take uh, the win yesterday, I'm not sure if any sprint points were up for grabs on the time trial, uh, obviously today, and he had been leading uh, going into it regardless. So Wout, I mean he's the the man of the 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 definite. So look, let's say let's say Adam Yates wins this wins this race, we don't see anything more action from. From, um, uh, Dylan Toon, I mean, it's from Wout van Aert. Maybe he gets the green Jersey. Maybe he misses out on the, on the white Jersey. Maybe he's able to hang on there. Is this race, this race is really dictated by two people. I don't care who wins it unless it's Wout. Um, this is the race is all about, uh, Wout van Aert, how he's come to the fore. He's won a time trial. He's won a sprint. Um, I guess we'll next, we'll be able to see if he can climb. He can definitely cr- cyclocross, across um, so, And then it's about Chris Froome. Other than that, um, you know, whoever wins it overall is going to be happy about that. But it's really not. I mean, we're going to see some transformation. The conversation will change. But when we take a look back on it from like that 30,000 foot level, it's going to be about Wout and Chris Froome. So who are the winners on the day and who are the losers? I mean, this is a pretty straightforward day. You really only needed to tune in for the last 2K to really see the, the action and then maybe watch the 1K a few more times. Not telling you how I watched it. But that's all you had to do. Uh, Winner on the day is obviously Wout Van Aert. You know, some other sprinters, I may say it was something else. Someone else that had an impressive time. But uh, I predicted him yesterday. So I'm calling myself out there. So I'm a winner as well. And then a loser, I'm actually picking Sam Bennett because he, I think, still has the best sprint. He's the better sprinter. And he he got the good lead out. He got exactly where he should have been but he did not play it right. And I don't know if he just didn't trust himself on that case, but Wout, Wout ended up playing it perfect and did exactly what he should have done. And he's the one that looks like the, you know, almost like a Caleb Ewing or, or a Cavendish uh, working his way in there, fighting his own for his own wheels. And look, this isn't the full on tour de France. You don't have the best sprinters here. He's basically going against Sam Bennett and, you know, Philippe can get up there. And if Philippe's up there in the mix, uh, no offense. I mean, he's very quick, but uh, he's not, you know, if, if you're having a full-blown uh, Tour de France sprint finish, he's not finishing third on the day. Tomorrow's stage of the Criterium du Dauphiné is when we start to at least have some more fun. Um, the profile there, 228 kilometers, like I mentioned before, it's got two, four, six, eight categorized climbs. Uh, some twos, some fours, some threes, two of each, three, three twos, three fours, and two threes. So it's got some good climbing and at least where the guy, especially with 228 kilometers of racing. Um, so I expect that with a category two coming about seven K to the finish and then downhill. This could be an Alaphilippe type of day. If he's in the mix there, uh, you're not you know, this would be a nibbly type of thing, right? Going over the top hitting the gas and creating some distance. Mahoric, I don't know if he's even in this race. That would be one that cuz he's <laughs> well known for his daring descents and so that will be an interesting one for tomorrow. And then uh we have Saturday, Sunday with the big mountain stages coming up. Okay. Some news of the world of cycling. So I just wanted to mention here Juan Jose Cobo. He was the winner of the 2011 Vuelta a Espana over Chris Froome and Bradley Wiggins. That was the first time you saw Chris Froome uh, come to the fore in a Grand Tour, riding with Sky. There was up until that point he had been negotiating, actually, with um, at the time Slipstream Sports, Jonathan Bodders to come over to that team, and it looked like that was going to happen. But um, and Chris Froome it actually is he and Bradley have had some words about this tour um, this year, actually. Uh, Chris Froome had said, you know, look, it's hard to trust people. Sometimes you don't know what to do. Like he's talking about he and Thomas about going into the race. And do you trust that this person is going to be able to pull off the win? And if you're not sure, then you've got to make sure you're up there. You don't want to lose time. And he's like, look, that's, that's, I didn't win the 2011 uh, Vuelta because I was working for Brad and I was doing all this stuff for him. And then he falters. And then when he falters, I've got to step up. And by then it's too late. So there were fighting words cuz then Brad's kind of like saying BS on that and uh the point is on that that was a race Chris Froome came to the fore on and then we've seen him ever since but the interesting part of that race is you may a little not know um Juan Jose Cobol actually won the race that year well he's just been declared by the UCI that he's been found guilty of the UCI bi- biological passport a violation so Chris Froome now stands to be declared the winner of the 2011 Vuelta a España. Just when you thought Chris Froome was going to go through 2019 without winning a Grand Tour, he has one handed here. And did you know that you can still be in competition for a Grand Tour eight years after the fact? I mean, this race is not over. You know, it's interesting. I also looked up something this morning, and Kobo had um, been – there was a a, – uh, news article on Cycling News that Kobo, all the testing basically from the, from the top podium that year had come back clean, that there was no, no improprieties. So, you know, they had, had all the results. Well, this is a biological passport. So I didn't know that they were still looking things over. Um, anyway, the UCI announced on Thursday that its anti-doping tribunal found Kobo guilty of an anti-doping rule violation that's use of a prohibited substance based on abnormalities from 2009 and 2011. Detected in his biological passport and imposed a three-year period of ineligibility on the rider. Um, he obviously he may uh, appeal this. I don't know what he's got going on. I haven't heard anything of him since 2011 Vuelta. Uh, maybe I'll look that up tonight and give you a report tomorrow as to what his actually his results have been. Uh, but being awarded a seventh Grand Tour victory will be a little consolation for Froome, obviously because he just wrecked out. Really interesting to note. That um, Froome w- w- ended the race thirteen seconds down on Kobo in the final classification with Brad Wiggins at one thirty nine. Back then, Bauke Mollema, who was with Rabobank, was fourth, so he ends up he might get his podium. You know, is this how you want to win your podium your your race? No, because you missed out on all the glory of it at the time. It's the whole thing with with Lance Armstrong. You know, people depriving others of the race. Um, I, should I even read to you the text that uh, Chris or Kurt sent to me about this, um, basically implying that uh, Froome, <laughs> we'll, we'll skip that one altogether. Okay. Uh, I mentioned yesterday the OVO Energy Women's Tour uh, is happening right now. i um, not following that too closely. There's a lot going on right now, uh, but Marianne Voss, she crashed out of the race. Um, there was a video... In the front of the race, she's second wheel behind her teammate. They hit just a little pothole. She's, her hands are in her drops. Looks everything's fine, but it's just enough for her to hand to slip off the bar. And as she does so, she, she her chest goes into her stem. She can't get control of it. It's a big wreck. It takes out a bunch of people from the front. They were going high speed. They were just getting ready for an intermediate sprint. She's ended up uh, crashing out. Hand slipped off the bar, like I said. And uh, she took out a bunch of people on herself. But she's ended up crashing out of the, the women's tour. I um, hope she's okay. Uh, another n- drug news, uh, Jarlinson Pantano, he had formerly been with Trek, I think, a few years ago, a Colombian. who retires amid EPO positive. He, Yet yeah, he claims his innocence, of course. And hey, once again, due process. So we're looking for that. His team, Manzana Postaban, they were also suspended. Now, they've just announced that they are um, folding the team anyway. But the UCI said, even so, if you come back, you have a 45-day suspension just in case. So there were two quick positive tests on that team in the last 12 months. I don't know if that's a UCI standard. But um, anyway, Jollinson, he's done. He's saying he's innocent. That's what happens. And once again, due process. Um, Tulsa Tough just took place uh, on the continental level. Um, Sam Bassetti won the last day up with the Crybaby Hill. Very impressive. Gets in the break. And then wins uh, this. Then there's another guy that went up the road. He bridges up to that right at the end and wins in the sprint. It was really well done. Smart head on him. I think he got second the other two days to Justin Williams. Justin Williams was not in the mix on the final day. So I think Sam gets the omnium by that due to his overall overall. Interesting part, you don't really see anything written up about Sam. There's a bunch of stuff about Justin Williams because Justin is pretty dynamic. Um, Sam is local. He um, is a coach with Data Driven Athlete, who is a a team that I ride for. So maybe we're going to reach out and see if we could get get him to come in and and have a conversation, maybe give him a little bit more publicity than he has been getting at all. So maybe you want to reach out to News or some of these other sources and say, Hey, what about Sam Bassetti? Okay, he's been, uh, been tearing it up um (laughs) totally uh, side note i just saw this kellen winslow has been convicted of rape uh five different charges i believe um how is this cycling related well a few years ago kellen winslow do you know him his dad was a professional uh, wide receiver with the uh, san diego chargers um kellen himself then was a miami um university of miami wide receiver and he got really into cycling. And when he got into cycling, he basically was saying, "Hey, I'm, I could be a pro at this." And he was going to—that was, I think, that was going to be his his big deal. Uh, Keller Winslow Jr. Just to make sure, because his dad is the senior. Um, so he faces up to life in prison. It, some of these stories were a bizarre. Anyway, he said he was going to be a pro. He got into cycling. He—I think he got made it up to a Cat Three, not quite as high as the the Mark Paul Gossler celebrity of. Uh, Fame from TV show um, Saved by the Bell. He, I think, he made it to a cat too. Uh, anyway, Kellen was going to be a pro. He thought he could do that. He was out training a lot. Evidently, they used a lot of his Strava data to help pinpoint <laughs> these areas. It was some were like indecent exposure to, and rape of like a homeless lady. I mean, he had. I don't think he cared if you know due process once again. But I don't think he cared about who his victims were. As far as he didn't have a type, he just had. You just had to be there and available. Um, pretty disgusting, but uh, up to life in prison. And hey, you know, weird, weird concept. Um, Viewer, listener, mailbag, once again, crickets. Last thing things that make you go, hmm, before we sign off for the day, things that make you go. there was a recent story writers file abuse claims against Healthmate, Cycle Live manager Patrick Van Gassen. He refused the claims, but now there's been three riders of abuse and inappropriate behavior. Uh, It's an interesting story. We've seen this a little bit. And there was a call by Kaylee Fretz, uh, uh, editor-in-large of the Cycling Tips, where he was really going to say, hey, UCI, why aren't you taking care of this? I, and I've mentioned the word a few times, due process to me is always a big deal. Um, I'm a family law attorney. I handle a lot of cases of DVROs, domestic violence restraining orders. And I handle on both sides, you know, because it's uh it's client against client or party against party, the state's not involved in those. Uh so you I defend them, I help prosecute those. People lie a lot. And I'm not saying these women lie, I'm just saying their the stories are amazing, uh how they come out from one side. And once you start to try to pit that person up against court, how you can make them look just by simple evidence and not misstating the facts, just stating the facts and how you want to weave that. So you do require some... some, One of the things here was, look, this is a horrible situation. This girl, she's living at the team manager's house because he's not paying or anything. So right there, we've got some other... I think you can alleviate some of these problems. One, uh, I don't care if it's uh, boys or girls, but they probably shouldn't be living with the manager just for... I mean, you you go home and live with your boss. I mean, that's you've got to just have some separation. And and maybe I don't know if the UCI steps in with some. I, I'm not a big rules guy, but maybe they, they need to step in with some some regulations, or at least maybe the teams need to step in for this. Um, this girl's at the house. She says that the the manager keeps making sexually uh, advancing comments to her. His thing is is like, no, I'm what I'm saying to her is you're dressing too revealing. Maybe you should change your clothes. I don't know who's right and wrong, in those uh, those are some some weird issues. Um, some of the the comments like that behavior is a way over, is over the line, and you've got to have a professional relationship. Obviously, living with someone, it's going to start bleeding into that a little bit. Uh, some of the other things were just uh, abusive comments, and maybe you see this more on the female side than the male side of you know talking about their weight. Um, maybe they you know look guys sometimes we're used to playing, you know, football and some of the other sports and the coaches can be pretty, pretty hefty, uh, not hefty, um, pretty ornery and, uh, you know, not demeaning, but straightforward. And maybe, maybe the female just doesn't like that. And you've got to, you know, as someone who's coached volleyball, kids, volleyball, um, high school, each kid is different. And as a good coach, you've got to, I'm not saying I'm a good coach, but Uh, Part of the mentality is to try to pick those people and you've got to relate to each one differently. You know, some kids, you can tell you've got to use that stick and and they want to be pushed and they want not the abuse, but they want that that hard nosed edge to them. Other kids, you've got to massage them, not literally, but you've got to, you know, use your words a little bit differently and to bring them along more of in a positive way. And maybe not all coaches, you know, this guy, probably old school. He's not, he's not that. Anyway, they'll have to get to the bottom of this. This is like few female teams have had this problem. I think a lot of it really stems from, let's, let's try to figure out the cause of some of this. And I think some of it has to do with the, um, the the pay problems in female sports is they're not getting salaries. So they end up too much enmeshment with the coach or the directors, living arrangements. And there's a lot of different kind of pressures. So... This, though, the result, the, the the solution is really about bringing um, money, sponsorship money into the female sport so they can have a, a lively, uh, a prosperous, uh, successful life and a career and get paid for it. Um, you're not going to end up taking that money from the men's side unless the men have a, a joint team, which you've seen some of those that that works. Uh, but it's got to be something that's economically sustainable and you know, look, the women's sport is 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 a good one. So, um, you know, got to got to kind of push that when we can. Things that make you know, the things that make you. Know, hmm. We just did uh, winners and losers. Okay. How do you not go with the winners with with uh, Wout van Uert. Um He won the stage. He's near the front. Um. Oh, and and look, he's he's kind of the new guy coming out. So, and I want to mention one thing here. Kurt had mentioned yesterday, I had talked about about um, the Wout's cross bleeding over into his time trialing. Uh, actually, he made a mention of it himself, saying that he's been working on his time trial for a few weeks. This is amazing. Uh, a few weeks, and also that cross really does play a part, that you go super hard for you know 30 minutes, and with that, you know it's similar to uh, the time trial. You just go all out. So, uh, the winner also is Kurt Mills for his uh, comments and getting, um, getting them uh, justified and redemption from Walt Bannert himself of saying, Kurt, you are correct. Um, yes, cross does help make me a better time traveler. So, you wonder how many people will now be doing cross in the offseason to help themselves. Losers on the day, Chris Froome. Really? I don't know. Uh, He's just won. Uh, he won. Big time by winning the the Vuelta. I guess the loser on the day would be Juan Jose Cobo. And for his uh, failed attempt at winning the 2011 um, uh, Vuelta, he thought he was probably in the clear. Sorry to hear it. He's not. Okay. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. Between Two Wheels podcast. Once again, share the show. Make some comments. Uh, find it wherever you can. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, Overcast.fm, Podbeam. Find us on our YouTube channel. Once again, we're putting up uh, some displays so you can see the profiles that we put up, some of the, the the mentioning the results. We'll post those as well in some overlays. So Between Two Wheels podcast channel. Um, I mentioned before that there is a confusion out there with another Between Two Wheels podcast. It is all about motorcycles, uh, Harleys. I had a... <laughs> person the other day I saw hey I got another uh, subscription to our platform and their picture is a Harley Davidson so um, I think they we gained a few and then we keep going down so maybe you can subscribe to our YouTube channel as well let's build that up we're going to plan some some live uh, interaction as well Uh, Facebook page as well once again thank you for listening we appreciate everyone joining in being part of the show stay tuned next week probably tomorrow. Stay tuned for tomorrow for stage six of the Daphne and more news as uh, we follow Chris Froome in his recovery. Thank you, everybody.